0: Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. and In this episode, we're going to kick off what I am calling the Cyber Guy Podcast version 2.0. And I'm going to have a special interview with my friend Paul Perry about TikTok and data loss and protecting your data online and stuff like that. Um, But before we get to Paul and talking about all of those things, let me talk about what I want to do now with this particular podcast. So, Up until this point, um, my main focus when I started the podcast, as many of you know, was to talk to friends within the FBI and talk about cyber cases and things like that. I, I pretty quickly found that that was a pretty limited pool. Um, and so I kind of diverted it to talking to folks within the cyber industry, and I still want to do those things. So, But I want to s- divide the podcast into five very distinct sections where you get something out of every section, um, and it's very purposeful in the way that I do the podcast. So basically, the five sections are this. First one's going to be a quick little educational piece. As many of you are aware, I have a, another podcast called the Get Cyber Smart Podcast, which is a seven to 10-minute uh, educational piece. And so it's going to be kind of along those lines talking about some aspect of cyber, just to get Give you a little education about it. Uh, the second part will be um, called the threat of the week. So, what is the threat of the week that we're, we're talking about? Third part will be an interview, if I have an interview for that week. Now, not all weeks will there be an interview section. Um, a lot of it is just scheduling with folks, but hopefully, I have a couple folks lined up for the next several weeks to talk about a variety of different things in the cyber world. Uh, number four will be the protection plan of the week. In other words, something to you should. Take away that can protect your information, your data, and your online risk. Lower your risk overall, actually. Um, and so protect you from the bad things happening out there. And the last thing will be a quick little case study. So a uh, look at some case. It may or may not be related to the topic of the week. And, and it may be each one of those sections is a different thing. But for this particular episode... I'm focusing largely on TikTok and data security because as I was trying to come up with what should be the episode for this week, um, it was like Manna from Heaven, an article popped down from the Daily Wire that talked about TikTok and how TikTok shares the data, personal data of their users more than any other social media app out there. Now they all do it in some way, shape or form, but TikTok is apparently the worst abuser. So I wanted to talk about this week about what is TikTok. Give you an idea what TikTok is. Uh, Many of you probably know, your kids probably have it, but what I'm going to talk about and what we'll talk about with Paul a little bit is the risks associated with TikTok. Now at the end of the day, and I'm going to recommend that you stop using TikTok or tell your kids to stop using TikTok Probably I'm not. That's got to be a decision that you make. But hopefully some of the information I can provide you in this particular podcast will help you make a decision on its safety, the risk to you, to your company, to your kids, things like that. Um, This particular podcast will be on Rumble and YouTube. So I am doing the video aspect of this. When I can, I mean, there'll be some, maybe some podcasts where I, where I don't do the video aspect, but I wanted to do the video aspect of this one just to see how it rolls out. So if you want to see a video of this, you can find it, like I said, on Rumble, YouTube, follow me on LinkedIn to see news on all this. But let's talk about, till so the first part here, we'll talk about education. The first section of our new podcast of Guy 2.0 is education. So what is TikTok? So TikTok is a company owned by a Chinese conglomerate I guess somebody's a conglomerate but it's got a it's got a mother company that is called ByteDance. It was created by two Chinese friends roughly 6 or 7 years ago depending on how you look at its history. It was not originally called TikTok, it was called Musically um, and it was people sharing videos with music things like that. And then ByteDance created a um created a um Another app called Doyen, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but eventually ByteDance and Doyen and Musical.ly all kind of came together to create what we now know as TikTok, which originally started as a, a music video sharing type thing. So I am on a website here called um, TikTokTip.com, and it's got the history of TikTok, who the owner is, things like that. So the owners are two friends in China, Named Alex Yu and Liu Yang, um, they have about a million users, and the one of the main issues about TikTok, and this is where you can find all you want to know about TikTok on on this particular site here, um, and this is some uh, what the kind of the page looks like. But what you should also understand is that the Chinese government owns a portion of TikTok because TikTok is in China. It is a Chinese focused app that and in, in what I'm about to talk about is, is largely uh, an opinion on my end based on my experience dealing with cyber risks, counterintelligence risk, and things like that. Anything coming out of China has the potential to provide information to the Chinese government that's valuable to them. It's kind of what's called a soft power play by China. So if you look at how countries interact together. There, there's hard power and soft power. Hard power is military action. So what we're seeing with Russia and Ukraine is a hard power example where Russia is trying to exert its force to do things with the Ukraine. China works a lot of soft power angles where little things they do have a large impact on how they're perceived by the world and how they help achieve their, achieve their, gain, their, their goals of their, of their monarchy or, or whatever you want to call it, their, their country through these soft power means that don't have a military impact, but have a geopolitical type of impact. And TikTok really is one of those areas where China can exploit the information within TikTok to meet its goals, to get information on people. You know, obviously TikTok is not only used by kids. There are certainly plenty of adults that use TikTok. Uh, And the data that the Chinese government can pull from TikTok. Now, do I have proof that the Chinese government has access to it? Not that I'm here to share with you, but you can pretty much guess that if the Chinese government owns a portion of TikTok, which is, according to news reports, is 1%, you can pretty much assume that if they want data from TikTok, they will get it. And I've said this in many podcasts before, and it bears repeating here. Why I think it is a risk is largely because Facial recognition is really what it comes down to. You have all of these kids, all these adults using facial recognition. Let's say they ultimately at some point go to work for the government, go to work for a company that the Chinese government wants information about. They can use that data within TikTok to create information packages where they can go out and find people to compromise and get them to spy on the United States. There's a lot of nefarious things they can do with the data coming out of TikTok. So, um, and so, as I said, in, ver- in version 2.0 of the podcast, the second thing I talk about is the threat of the week. So really, part one and part two for this week are the same thing. It's TikTok. TikTok is a, is a whether you believe it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, TikTok is a threat to your data privacy. Um, and the potential personal data of your kids and grandkids down the line um, because the Chinese government will have a lot of information on everybody who has ever been a TikTok user. Obviously, they have a lot of information on the Chinese people that use it. They obviously now have a lot of information on the American people that use it. That's why the the Chinese government has taken a, an interest in having ownership within TikTok, because they want the the information, especially about Americans and Europeans and people that are that are in important places for them to tie to compromise down the line. So does that mean that you should immediately stop your kids from using TikTok? I'm going to be honest, that horse is probably already out of the barn. You're trying to get your kids to stop using TikTok is probably not realistic. Now, I mean, are there alternatives to TikTok? Sure. Um, Reels, Facebook uses what's called Reels, um, and when we talked with Paul, one of the things we had talked about in our interview was a generational thing. The you know the younger generation prefers TikTok over Reels because Facebook is losing its place amongst younger generational kids. So I say all this because there's a lot of other articles related to. TikTok that are certainly concerning, such as this one here. The Chinese government takes a stake in TikTok, raising questions about national security and data privacy. Um, You can find this on Loss Prevention Magazine. There's more information about that uh, at that particular um, website. Um, But, you know, one of the things that we should remember is is that when Donald Trump was president, he tried to get TikTok sold to an American company. Whatever he had done during that time with TikTok, Joe Biden essentially reversed. So if we think that the Chinese government do not have any interplay in TikTok and their data, we are incorrect. They certainly do. They certainly will going forward. Even Even if, let's say that Donald Trump was able to get TikTok sold to Microsoft or Oracle, whoever they were talking to at the time, I can guarantee you the Chinese would still get access to that data because... You weren't going to move the entire TikTok infrastructure from where it is now into a only U.S.-based server entity or, or all that data on, on U.S. servers only. So China is going to have information related to what TikTok does for a long time. Now, here's the funny thing is TikTok is a flash in the pan, just like they have all been. My I mean, who remembers MySpace? It's not around anymore. The Chinese government is going to have programmers and people that create apps like TikTok that they can use as a soft power play to get people to download them. There's a lot of apps that hostile countries create, their programmers create, that may have a nefarious, underpinning realization. Take FaceApp from Russia. Um, you don't hear about it much anymore, um, but it was an app that would aid you. And that information all went back to Russia. And so now Russia can take someone age them and see what they may look like 10 years from now. So again, if you wanted to be a member of the U.S. government, the intelligence community down the line, the Russians have your your facial information that they can modify and see what you might look like 10 years from now and identify you if you are undercover or things like that. So a lot of different threats. We could talk about TikTok for an hour um, and just talk about the threats associated with that. But I just wanted to briefly talk about what TikTok is. There's a billion users worldwide, according to, uh, survey that was done on January 5th of this year, you'll probably find that it will ultimately overtake Facebook and Instagram and things like that. It's pretty close to Instagram and Facebook's numbers. And all that means is it's more data for people uh, or for the Chinese government to access to use for for things that are probably not good for the users that are using it. So with that, I want to go talk to Paul Perry about these things, and we're going to talk more about just TikTok. We're going to talk about data security in general because all social media companies trade in your data. That's how they make money in selling your data to other other entities. I mean, Facebook does it, Instagram does it. The reason Facebook's stock prices went down recently is because Apple created the ability on your phone to tell apps not to track your data. So it makes it hard for Facebook To access your data now and gear advertising towards you, but that's a that's a that's a story for another podcast. Let's go talk to Paul Perry, um, and when we're done with that, we will do the last two sections of the podcast, and we'll be good for the week. And as always, I want to welcome back, and it's an honor for me to have Paul Perry, who is the member and practice leader for the risk department for Warren Averett. He's also a speaker, author, podcaster does controls in cybersecurity. I'm reading off his LinkedIn page because he told me not to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. So um, it, joining me back on the podcast to talk about TikTok. We, before we had uh, before um, uh, we started doing this, I'd invited uh, Paul on to see if he wanted to join me in eviscerating TikTok. So Paul, welcome to the podcast. Darren, thanks. <laughs> Always a pleasure to be here thanks. with you. Thanks. And I don't think we'll really eviscerate TikTok so much as to use it as an example for data security because really this... As we talked about beforehand, the point of this, we're going to talk a little bit about how it can impact kids and down the line, but really from a business perspective, what has happened this week with, with, with TikTok, and then in a, in, at least in the report I saw from Daily Wire talking about how of all the social media companies, TikTok is number one in selling user data. And we want to talk about data privacy, especially for companies and how that can be a risk. And if you can hear my dog in the background, he just started barking at some dog walking by. So I'm sorry about this. Paul, um, your article from, and it was... Uh, in a blog for your company, right? Is that do I have that right? That's right. Yeah. So I'm just gonna read two paragraphs and then kind of let you kind of take into what was the impetus for writing this article, what what you were looking to gain by, and if you had some practical experience as to individuals and, and threats and risk associated with TikTok and really other social media applications. So reading from Paul's and Kevin Bauer's article from July thirteenth, twenty twenty. TikTok, a widely popular mobile app, was caught spying on Apple device users and has made headlines as government leaders across the globe grapple with how to respond by deliberately or inadvertently gaining access to a user's clipboard TikTok and other apps have been able to grab onto anything that a user copies on an Apple device, whether it's a password, business document, or other sensitive information. And that paragraph right there should send a chill down every executive's bones if, if, if it hasn't already. So what was the impetus for the article, Paul? And, and talk a little bit about it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Darren. You know, I think when we were looking back in July of 2020, and it's amazing how relevant things are still now, right? So we, we wrote this article back then, and I think the the administration at that time was trying to grapple with, grapple with: Do we block TikTok and other social medias that are that are using data and selling data um, in the U.S. that are that are from uh, foreign countries? And so, our point of putting out the article was just really a thought leadership piece on: Know what your risks are, right? So, when when we are talking to companies about um, data security and cybersecurity, it's always about. Know where your risks are. It may be okay to do certain things from a cyber perspective or a data security perspective, as long as you know what the risks are and you've 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 got a risk appetite for that. So the article goes on to just give companies, you know, suggestions on how to do controls well uh, around cybersecurity and around data security. Uh, you know, doing risk assessments, uh, mobile device management, which was the biggest piece, and I think that's the piece where it comes in from a. Uh, a social media perspective as we were you know talking about earlier is 10 years ago when everybody had a blackberry they also had their personal cell phone and there was this We everybody had two phones and one was just business and then everybody said you know what let's save some money and let's just everybody bring your own device which is a great way to save some money unfortunately now people have a device that has personal on it work on it and if there are things from a personal perspective that you are using from a social media aspect and you haven't looked to see what they're grabbing or even you know turning off some of those features on your phone whatever it is then now you're now you're, you're integrating your your business information into a very personal space and i think even at, when i wrote that article we're in the beginning of the pandemic we thought we were all going back in august and so it was kind of like hey now that now that our life has been interrupted from a business perspective we need to tell people what's going on out there and we need to try to help them understand what they need to be doing for data security and so that's really what the article was about and and it just so happened that TikTok had come out that that it was grabbing stuff off of you know clipboards within phones and and it's amazing what we've always said and my colleagues and i have always said when we're doing presentations and we're doing and we're writing articles it's people use technology when they don't always understand how it's being used or what it's doing right and so you get yourself into oh i don't fully understand it but i'm going to use it this way and when you do you start to use it in in an incorrect way and so i think that's what the the premise of the article was and you know just trying to help educate people on what they need to do and when that personal and work stuff you know starts to combine
0: and how is the feedback on it? Do you get companies calling you saying, wow, we didn't know this. I'm so thankful that you let us know that. And, and our, honestly, uh, how many other apps do the same things? I think that one of the things I hear a lot from my wife says this to me, my friends have or people I've talked to have said it, you know, my phone's listening to me. And it's because of things like this where that's where your phone's listening.
1: Right. And, and, and I would say that all devices are listening, right? How does it know that you say, hey, Siri? Somebody's that's listening to this on a speaker. Their phone just went off, right? I mean, (laughs) it's it's that it's that kind of, it's that kind of piece. But knowing that it's doing that, and then going in and setting the settings so that changing the settings so that it's not doing that. That's what I think is the awareness piece that we have to create within within society, not just business, but in society as a whole, is being aware. And when I speak to companies you know, they kind of hear this and they go, yeah, we, we have a social media policy or we have a information security policy. I won't say that it it sticks all the time when you talk to businesses and when they read that, they go, hey guys, this is about personal stuff, you need to read this. But when you have conversations with individuals, I mean, I've, I've presented to two groups uh, over the last six months that um, it wasn't businesses I was talking to, it was, it was from the perspective of cybersecurity for individuals and i remember one of them going home and i i knew them from a from another relationship another personality and when i i talked to their spouse they were like why did you tell my husband that i had to get rid of solitaire (laughs) like like why was that why was that and and it was they went to the extreme right they went to the okay everything's listening everything's collecting data if i'm going to go read absolutely every term and condition and if it says it's collecting my information we're not going to have that app i think that's an extreme but I think it points that individuals want their data to be secure, and and they older individuals want it to absolutely be more secure than maybe the younger generation. And I think that's because they didn't grow up with technology and it always around them, and so it's kind of weaved a fabric into their life, right? So I, I think that's the piece of it. But uh, you know, businesses when they read those articles. You get some people that will call and say, hey, make sure that we're not doing this. Make sure that we have good mobile device management policies and procedures in place. But it 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 is more profound to individuals than I would say businesses.
0: And what, do you talk about just the risk of China in general? Because let's let's go back to TikTok specifically. Um, you know, there was a big thing uh, 2020 during you know before the election where. Um, President Trump was trying to get TikTok purchased by Oracle or Windows or Microsoft, whoever. So Microsoft, that it, had, it was. yeah. So it would have U.S. ownership. Well, right. I, I read an article in doing some research on ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok. That the Chinese government has a one percent stake in ByteDance, which is not a surprise. They have a stake in every business that's associated with China. And I and and all of this data that is being abused by TikTok and these other apps are going, and not that they're all going back to China, but TikTok specifically, that data is all going to China. Whether you think it is or not, you better believe that it absolutely is going to a server somewhere. Whether the U.S. government says, well, they can't do that anymore. There's no way, no way that the U.S. government can regulate any technology firm to not do something. I mean, in 2012 or 13, 14, 15, somewhere, Xi Jinping and President Obama promised not to hack each other. Do we really think China is not still hacking U.S. companies today? And the data that they're getting from TikTok is valuable to them. Whether it's kids, I mean, you know, kids doing dance data, may, people may not think that's a big deal. But I think you and I have even had this discussion before. Those kids are going to become adults in 10, 15 years. China now knows what they look like. And so if they go into the intelligence community and become an an undercover CIA officer, they're screwed because China's going to know who they are if they have to go to China. So I don't think people realize that particular risk in general and think about it from that hostile territory aspect.
1: And and I think that's why it's a generational thing. And I don't want to pick on any generation, but I think that a younger generation has said, data security isn't important to me today, so I'm going to do what I want to do not thinking 10, 15, 20 years down the road. I think the thing that scares me about some of the other, what you would call, I think you, you meant you called them hostile, foreign associated apps of some kind, right? It's mm-hmm. that there was that one of, that made you look older or younger
0: face app, that was like a
1: face app, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So, so people, that was a wonderful craze and people don't think about long-term. They think about, I need to be part of this craze right now. Right. And, what scares me about that is that we could go into a whole discussion on deepfakes, right? and mm-hmm. you could go into a whole discussion on now somebody knows what you look like, and they know what you look like in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they have artificial intelligence just like us, and they can figure out on a certain day what you will now potentially look like. Okay, great. Now let's talk about all these companies that want to get rid of the password and want to go to biometrics and want to use your face and want to use all that. Everybody now has my password if my face is my password. Right. right? So. It, it's it's you always I always chuckle when I see those and it's like, OK, that craze is going to happen and nobody's thinking into the future with that. And I think that's what scares you and I more than maybe other people that aren't in the business that we are in. Is that, you know, fine, my kids dancing is one thing, but it's got the location of where I took that video. Mm-hmm. It's got now now it's got the IP address. And if I didn't go in and change my username and password on my router, and they have my IP address for my house, guess where they can get to, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, and and somebody will go, well, Paul, you're, you're chicken littling this. But that's what they do, right? I mean, that's how they get you. And and so understanding that that is the risk and, un, and playing into that, I think, is why it's so important to step back and think about, oh, my gosh, maybe I shouldn't have my work stuff on my personal phone. Maybe I need just a phone for work things that doesn't have any of those other connections because you don't always know who you're working with, and I think that's what you're trying to say: is forget about it being TikTok. Name your foreign country that has an app that is collecting data. If you don't know that it's that foreign country and you haven't done the research enough to do that before you use it, you don't know what controls are there, and and there probably aren't any.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think uh, there's not a lot of focus, or not enough, or not really any focus on counter espionage, counterintelligence type activity in the business world beyond corporate counterintelligence, making sure my competitors aren't stealing information. But, in, and you make a perfect point in what you just said with the IP address. Let's say that an executive for Huawei's main competitor, at and the executive for at and he's got his grandkids with him and they are traveling to Thailand for vacation because they can, because the CEO of at and I'm sure makes a lot of money. Um, and the Chinese government pretty much knows who he is or she is, I don't know who it is, but who he or she is, um, any and as much information as they can get from them relatives all that kind of stuff. And so the grandchild decides to do a TikTok video on their vacation in Thailand. What does the Chinese government now know? That grandpa who or grandma who is the CEO of AT&T is now in Thailand. I can send agents over there and maybe I can get them to be compromised in some way shape or form.
1: Right. And I think that's 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 the stuff that scares me from a business perspective and and you know you and I, you do a great job and, and I appreciate what you do for information security from an education perspective. And I think that's the stuff that can, that needs to continue and, and education never stops. Mm-hmm. And, and I would argue that, that we always have to educate people on the right and the wrong from a cybersecurity perspective until the day that we defeat the bad guy, not in your lifetime, not in my lifetime, not in my kid's lifetime. Right. So uh, I think that it's going to be a constant conversation and it's going to be a constant, you know, responding to what is the new threat. So if you don't know what the threats are, if you're not getting intelligence, and I don't mean secret clearance intelligence, I mean reading articles, I mean understanding who has what data. If you're not understanding that, and I call it now self education. When I speak to people about education, I go, it's great to ask somebody to come in and tell you the right and the wrong. In between those times, which sometimes is a year, sometimes it's five years you need to do a lot of self-education. You need to listen to podcasts like this one. You need to read articles on a regular basis so that you understand what is going on so that you can now use that in your daily life and and protect yourself. And and I think self-education society doesn't want to do it, but it's definitely needed. and, And I think that needs to be pushed as much as security awareness education.
0: And there's, and, and when you, in mentioning reading, the Chinese have said, have, have laid out how they're going to do all this. And they did it in 1999. Two Chinese generals released a book called Unrestricted Warfare because they knew that, so there's, ty- there's two main types of power that most, com- most countries take. There's hard power and soft power. Hard power is we're going to go, Russia is showing hard power right now with Ukraine. That is strictly a hard power play. they you know, they're going to use military and force and take what they want. But then soft power is where China is an expert is they do the things that really the, the normal person doesn't think about, but influence campaigns, um, the, the Olympics. The Olympics this week is a perfect soft power play for China because they can say, look how great we are. Everybody loves us. We're treating all of these athletes fantastically. Um, and so it's not like this is a surprise that, that China's doing this. And I would warn companies to think about, okay, TikTok, like you said, it's the latest, greatest app. Everybody's got to have it. You know, Facebook has now created Reels, which is their TikTok alternative, um, which I don't think is gaining as much ground as as TikTok, obviously. But it's the same idea. What's I think the it's next? Generational. Yeah. What is the next app that comes down the line? What? It, so, China, someone in China right now, in Russia, in Iran, in North Korea, North Korea, eh, North Korea, maybe not so much. They got their own issues, but are developing an app of some sort that is going to be focused to support the business community. That business is going to say. Mm-hmm. I got to have that app. That app is going to make us competitive. How do companies, how do you think companies, because really that becomes then a a software supply chain issue for a company. How much software, and we're kind of going into a little tangent here, but what is the software supply chain risk assessment that most companies do? Is there any?
1: And that's the thing is a a lot of people don't, you know, the companies we work with, I would say a quarter of them probably have mobile device management Mm -hmm. employed. Right. So that means that's a great number, but that means three fourths of the companies we work with don't do anything from a information on mobile devices perspective. That's 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 scary. When you talk about vendor management, as as little as they do mobile device management, they do even less sometimes vendor management. And it's and it's something I have said on your on, on your podcast. I've said it in multiple presentations that I've done is you can outsource responsibility to other people to do things for you create your software, do your processing, do your backups, do your security, but you cannot outsource the responsibility of knowing who they are and not only who they are, but who their vendors are, right? I mean, we're talking about third parties. I mean, we, you know, federal law enforcement, I've had multiple conversations over the year about fourth, fifth, sixth party. How far do you go on that assessment? And it's until you feel comfortable or until you get to a country that you don't want to work with. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, Vendor management, if education and self-education is one of my big soapboxes, vendor management is number two, because there are so many companies that are just, you know, head in the sand. I'm not going to worry about it. That's why I've hired them to do it. But you need to know who they are. And so when somebody creates that app, that becomes the next greatest vendor any business in America needs to use, you need to know who made it and you need to know who's working on it on a regular basis. And you need to know what information they have of yours.
0: And I recommend, I'm looking up an article here that, um, so there was an article from Bloomberg that came out in February, a year ago, came out a year ago. Um, and I'm not, I'm not pitching this article because I'm quoted in it because, I lucked out on that one, but it's called "The Long Hack" by Bloomberg. Jordan Robertson and Michael O'Reilly are the two um, authors. And I was going to have Jordan on the podcast, but his Bloomberg wouldn't let him do it. So I got I need to revisit this with him because it's been a year. He might be able to do it now. But essentially, this goes back to China's plans. I mean, we're talking software now. but let's talk hardware. This was had to do with the super microchips, where they found a little th- a little thumbnail size chip on on micro on super micro motherboards that we're beaconing wow. somewhere. Um, and so again, another soft power play by China because you know, I am talking on a device through a computer that has a certain percentage of parts that are made in China. How do I know they're not listening right now and that my power of my house is going to go off in five minutes?
1: It's a great point. It's a great point. And I think I was a part of a research uh, program uh, about a year ago where the, the whole discussion was – information, misinformation, and disinformation, right? And China was one of the biggest ones that was that was discussed. And it was, you know, what is being put out? Not so much what was being put out and was it being put out to disinform people or to direct the way they think, but what type of information was being withheld and then used against an organization, right? And I think that that's what scares you about an app that's gonna change your business is the information that they collect and then it being used against you in some form or fashion.
0: That's right. I don't think we've solved the China problem here, nor will we ever, but I think it, hopefully it starts a discussion. So let's talk about your podcast a little bit. What's your podcast? What's the name? I been on so, your podcast, I should know the name off the top of my head, but I don't, apologies.
1: <laughs> no worries, Darren. Oh No, it's uh, the rap podcast. That's right. um, It's uh, so the Warren Averitt, uh, the CPA firm that I work for, it's a business podcast. We talk about timely topics, we just put one out on, you know, tax uncertainty and we've got one coming out on talent uncertainty. in business there's a lot of uncertainty, right? So um, it's it's a it's a periodic podcast that um, my my co host Kim and I put together. We've had you on and some others and cybersecurity is always a good discussion. So um, in, in the next in the coming seasons, we'll get you back on and, and see what what is new in cybersecurity. Yeah, hit me that. up when so you want to do the
0: supply chain uncertainty supply chain entered. it's all uncertain point, <laughs> that's right, right? yep didn't do you just had a uh a, a milestone right a milestone episode didn't you have like your there was a anniversary episode or something i just, I just saw that come out
1: yeah yeah we, we we just we just started season seven and so you know we've had a, a good number of those um so you know i think it was um either episode 50 i think is what just hit so uh it's been it's been a lot of good discussions and a, and a lot of good conversation And I think that's what's important in business. And in your podcast, you do it as well, is, you know what? There's just education. Mm -hmm. There's information that we need to get out. There's opinions. And I think people like that. Uh, And so I think it's good to to continue those. So we're looking forward to continuing that as well.
0: All right. Find Paul Perry, Paul M. Perry, C-D-P-S-E-C-I-S-M-C-I-T-P-C-P-A on LinkedIn. Follow his (laughs) LinkedIn feed. It's got some good stuff on there. Paul, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks. So once again, I want to thank Paul Perry for joining me on the podcast to talk data security and talk a little TikTok. I hope you found his uh, discussion useful, as always. If you have thoughts or comments on the podcast interviews, if you know of people that would like to be on the podcast, feel free to email me, darren at thecyberguy.com. Or hit me up on LinkedIn, and I'll have that information in the notes section of the podcast. You can you can see that there, and I'll put my pot, my email up here in a second. But I want to get now to the threat protection scheme of the week. It's going to be something I've talked about in the past, so it's not going to be of general surprise to you, but it is VPNs, because VPNs are really the best way to protect your data security, as we're talking data security here. Um, and so a VPN will basically encrypt your data so that your ISP can't read it, and ideally so that social media entities can't read it as well. So how VPN works is your device connects through a VPN client. So you download whatever your VPN client is of, of, of choice. And there's there's tons of them. You've probably heard ads for ExpressVPN. They are on a huge advertising blitz on all sorts of podcasts. NordVPN, I'm going to show a webpage here in a minute from Tom's Hardware that kind of goes into the best VPNs. But I just wanted to give this, this, this image here so you kind of see how a VPN works. So Unencrypted data goes to the VPN, your client. The client reaches out through your ISP to a VPN server, but that information is encrypted, meaning... Your ISP can't read it. No one can read it. All of it's encrypted. All they're going to see is a bunch of gibberish if they try to look at the data. So they're not going to know what websites you're going to, what data you're pulling down. It's a great way to mask and hide your information, your logins, your passwords, all that kind of stuff. Now, if you're using an encrypted web browser, that information is pretty much secure anyway, but they can kind of know where you're going. They won't see the data on, you know, they won't see your login data. They won't see your password data, but they'll kind of know where you went. So if you went to Amazon.com and we're looking up... Pick a, pick a product, they may see that information. Uh, and so, therefore, it protects your data. Without it, all your stuff's unencrypted, and they kind of see what you're doing. And ISPs will sell your data. Um, do they all do it? No, nah, probably not. But there, there are certainly your apps on your phone, all those things. Pull in your information and your data. Like Paul said in the interview, if you say, I mean, we... We hear a lot from people who say, "Well, I think my phone's listening to me." Well, of course your phone's listening to you. When you say, "Hey Siri," it responds back to you, as my phone just did when I said, "Hey Siri." We say, "Hey Alexa," it responds to you. So they're they're listening to those. They're listening for things, and other apps will listen as well, um, and then take that information and gear particular ads to you. So, um, you know, there's a lot more to that that I'm going to talk about here. But if you're curious as to what VPN you should use, well, um, Tom's guide here, Tomsguide.com. Uh, has the best VPN service in 22. This is an article published three days ago. Uh, I am not going to recommend one over the other. I'll tell you what I do use. I use private internet access. I've used it for years. It works well for me. Um, But um, they have ExpressVPN here. Who knows? They may be getting uh, money to say that. I don't know. NordVPN, Surfshark. And then there's more information as to what a VPN is, what's the best VPN, stuff like that. Do your own research. Find one that works for you, that's within your budget. I just saw um, an ad on a news aggregator site I use that talked about a box. You can actually buy it's 300 bucks, but it's a piece of hardware that creates your own VPN. You don't have to pay a monthly fee. So that's something you could look at. I don't have more information on that here because I just remembered that I saw that, but there is that particular option to get hardware devices. You can use a Raspberry Pi to create your own VPN. There's OpenVPN is an open source VPN client that you can create to yourself and, and use VPN that way. So have a virtual private network. Encrypt your data, secure it, make it safe. You can use it on your computers, on your phones, on your iPads, all those kind of things. So so that is something I would recommend if you're not currently using, you should look into purchase and start using on a regular basis. I'm actually all the stuff I'm doing right here on my computer in front of me is going through my VPN. So all my data here is encrypted. So the last thing I want to talk about in this podcast, and then I'll let you go, is case of the week. And this one, we are talking the Lori Drew case from approximately 12 years ago. And the reason I'm bringing this one up is because since we're talking about social media, we're talking about TikTok, I wanted to go back in time and look at a case, cyberbullying case that was largely social media focused, had some pretty bad, a pretty bad impact, uh, to one particular family. Uh, and because the laws at the time were not in place to do what they needed to do, um, the lady who was charged with the crime we're going to talk about pretty much got off scot-free. So if you remember the, if you don't know the Lori Drew case, essentially you can go here to Wired, has a pretty good overview of it. Um, it's Wired and that's, yeah, so it's sort of right there in front of you. Um, Lori Drew was a lady who, um, her thir- her and her daughter, basically cyberbullied or catfished as well, a 13 year old classmate of Lori Drew's daughter. And there was a lot of information there with, or a lot of back information with um, cheerleading and stuff like that. So basically, and this was all done through MySpace. So MySpace no longer exists, but it shows that obviously there's a cycle of social media, but social media can be used to, to do bad things. So what they basically did was create a fictitious account for a boy that wanted to be this 13-year-old Megan Meyer's boyfriend. So they went through this whole song and dance. The Megan Meyer thought she was talking to this boy. Uh, and ultimately, it was Lori Drew and her daughter who were doing all of these things, uh, making Megan Meyer believe that this this particular account on MySpace was her boyfriend. And then basically ripped the rug out from under her. You know, the boy broke up with her, called her names, did all sorts, called her fat, did all sorts of stuff. And Megan Meyer ended up hanging herself in her house. Her mother ended up finding her. So what ultimately happened really was nothing. Um, She was, as this article says, a federal judge on Thursday, this was in 2009, overturned guilty verdicts against Lori Drew, issuing a directed acquittal on three misdemeanor charges. So she was only charged with misdemeanors largely because, like I said, the laws weren't in place for any felony to have been, or to, to find a felony to convict her on, which is is very very disappointing. And so, I'm not going to go into great detail, Laurie Drew. I didn't work the Lori Drew case. It's just an interesting case that shows how social media can be used to extrapolate crime that can have very, or in this case, wasn't the the judge determined there wasn't really a crime committed. Now, hopefully, cyberbullying cases and cyberbullying laws in certain states have been adjusted to 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 solve issues like we're seeing here with the Lori Drew case, but I fear that probably they, they have not. But I say all this just again, be careful of social media, of, the, of your data security on social media. Watch what your kids do, protect their information. You want to keep them safe. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Cyber Guy podcast. If you have thoughts, questions, or comments, Feel free to hit me up there, darren at the cyber I think I hit the wrong button there. Yep, that is wrong. That's the wrong music there. That, that should be the closing music. Sorry about that. I'm doing this without my headphones. So uh, you got some cyber smart music there. So this is the closing of my Cyber Guy podcast music. So, um, But email me there, darren at the cyber Find me on LinkedIn. Um, if you have thoughts or comments on the new format, I'd be curious to know that. Um, This one's going to be a little rough as I kind of stitch it all together. You can find, again, the video on YouTube or Rumble. um, And you can find the audio podcast on all of your favorite podcast download sites, Spotify, Google, so on and so forth. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good week. We will see you next time.